is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. For many people who've been avoiding the vaccines, time might be up soon. The Fed's announcing new rules requiring businesses with 100 or more workers to have their employees vaccinated. If not, it's regular testing. Now, this impacts roughly 84 million people. We'll get into this de facto national COVID vaccine mandate and if businesses could challenge it. L.A. County, the latest area in the country, large one to now have a vaccine mandate to go into places like bars, restaurants, theaters. The pandemic has led to a surge of people quitting their jobs in hopes of something better, but many of those hopes were quickly dashed. We start with the new mandate for the large businesses uh, from the U.S. government. Dorit Rice, professor at UC Hastings School of Law, focuses on health law and policy. Uh, Professor, how do these new rules work exactly? The brief, concise version of the 490-page uh, uh, rule is uh, employers of 100 and more workers uh, are, have to require workers that come into work and work with others to either vaccinate or test. The rule does not apply to people who work outside. It does not apply to people who work remotely from home. And the rule is intentionally silent about who is going to pay for testing. It says we're not requiring employers to pay. It also says that unvaccinated workers should be required to mask indoors. Not a big difference for California right now, but would be a big difference in states that do not have mask mandates. It also requires employers to pay leave for people to get vaccinated and for a day or two of uh, side effects after the vaccine. So it kind of seems like if you're not telling the employers to that they have to pay, that it's going to end up being the workers in a lot of cases, because a lot of the employers are not going to shell out for this out of the kindness of their hearts. I suspect that it's going to vary. Some employers are going to um, pay for a variety of other reasons. Maybe state law uh, requires them to pay. Uh, maybe they want to make sure that employees actually get tested and they might be worried that no payment testing isn't going to happen and they get, could get over tr- in trouble with that. You know, as you probably know, uh, around the country, certainly here in California, there are a number of police agencies uh, that are not uh, uh, insisting on vaccines for their employees. Would this federal law cover those organizations, police organizations, fire departments? In California, yes. So generally speaking, OSHA does not apply, uh, OSHA rules don't apply directly to a state and local government. Uh, unless the state has an OSHA plan with uh, a plan with OSHA to apply them in addition, which gets the state more money from OSHA. And California has such a plan. If I'm a company and I'm covered by an OSHA rule and I don't like it, can I sue to try and get rid of it? Yes, you can sue. There are going to be a number of lawsuits about this. Uh, some governors have already declared that they will sue. Uh, the, the Attorney General of Arizona has already filed a lawsuit before the uh, standard, uh, although that's put them in a tricky place because you can direct claims against the standard that isn't there yet. So a, an employer can sue and we'll see a lot of litigation around this. But is it likely that as that litigation goes forward, so too will the mandates until a court actually makes a decision? So this could go either way. Uh, Courts do take time, but a court can issue a pretty quick preliminary injunction or temporary restraining order if it thinks the case has a lot of merit. So it depends, first, what the specific claim a case will make. And second, if the court thinks that it has enough merit to put the uh, 
to put the mandate on hold while it's litigating. When uh, when the Trump administration came into power and they issued a number of orders, including a travel ban, it went directly to court and some courts uh, put the, mand- uh, the ban on hold and others were not inclined to do that. So we'll have to see where the courts go on this one. Dorit Rice, professor at the UC Hastings School of Law, focuses on health law and policy. Thanks. New York City requires people to show proof of vaccination before they can eat at restaurants or head to a Broadway show. Los Angeles County is now joining the Big Apple in requiring proof of vaccination to go to most indoor places. Starts today. Bring the CDC card. Bring the app if you want to have a Manhattan on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, With us is Dr. Peter Katona, clinical professor of medicine, infectious diseases at UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine. So, doctor, hard to gauge the reaction to this. Uh, Is it good the mandate's here or what took so long? Uh, It's a complicated question. You know, certainly it helps to do it but it also raises antagonisms that people who don't want anybody telling them what to do, people don't want the inconvenience. So it's a, it's, it's a, you have to play one against the other to see which gives you more, you know, more of an advantage. I guess we're not the first to do it, though. So do you actually think that, that we'll have? I mean, there will be some rough spots. Someone's going to argue at some point, and it's going to be a whole thing. But but Charles and I have both been places where they have these, and it seems easy. pretty. It, it I mean, really I was in San Francisco last weekend, yeah. right? So you walk into the bar, and they say, where's your thing? And you show it, and then they say, great, thanks. Well, I've been to half a dozen of these where they check vaccination status, and it was really rather straightforward. I'm more concerned about the smaller establishments and what they're going to do, the smaller restaurants, the smaller places, places that don't have really a desire to have somebody policing people at the door. Yeah, but, you know, uh, Doctor, uh, I've actually been to uh, one or two of those smaller type places. And, you know, it was no big deal there either. Uh, you know, in one case, it was, you know, the, the waiter and as be, we're being seated said, uh, uh, can you show proof of vaccination? Took out my phone, showed the thing, you know, took about maybe five seconds. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be the rule, but there could be some very loud exceptions to that. And there could be people who forgot their proof and they're going to be really upset. And you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I think it's a good thing to do. I think indoor environments are the highest risk right now. And anything we can do to cut down the risk in an indoor environment is important. So don't get me wrong, but I'm just anticipating that there are going to be isolated problems with it. Where do you think it works the most, not from the uh, you know people fighting about its side, but from the comfort side for the uh, patrons, the people going in? And there's some rules that are different between L.A. County and L.A. City. The cities is, is further, but I think of places like gyms. Maybe there's people who are going to feel a whole lot more comfortable going to the gym when they know that everybody's vaccinated. Absolutely, and I think that's a very good thing. You know, gyms are a good example of that. And I like the way that we accommodated that in the past by having them outdoors as much as possible. So, no, I I think this is a good thing, but I just want to be sure we understand that there's going to be bumps in the road here that are going to be loud and clear to some people. Well, let me create a bump. Uh, Right now, the proof of full vaccination is uh, two of either the uh, uh, Pfizer or or Moderna or one of the Johnson Johnson. What about boosters? Should the proof of vaccination require proof of of, uh, uh, two and one? I think eventually when we know more about how vaccination helps and wanes over time, we can add that to the regimen, but it's, it's too early to know that now. 
especially understanding that the way we measure immunity is a little complicated and it involves things that are very, very difficult to measure. So, no, we're not there yet, but at some point when we have much clearer parameters that after X amount of months, Pfizer wears out and needs a booster and same for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. So I think we'll get there at some point, but I don't think we're anywhere near that yet. Dr. Peter Katona, Clinical Professor of Medicine and Infectious Diseases at UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine. See, I, I think that is going to be the real bump ahead when places have to ask not only for you to prove you were vaccinated, but also that you had a booster shot. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going to have different dates and times. Cards and, and things. And, yeah, that's, know. wow. Coming going to have the- to update your app. Coming up after a short break, many job seekers used the pandemic to quit their jobs, but found that was maybe a bad idea. More workers than ever have been quitting their jobs since the pandemic started, so much so that labor experts say it's become an employee's market with companies having to offer higher pay and more flexibility. Hasn't always worked out that way, though, for some of the workers. A lot of people who quit with dreams of the better opportunities, they came crawling back to the old jobs. Abby Shipp chairs the Management and Leadership Department at TCU's Neely School of Business. Uh, Abby, will we keep seeing more of these boomerang employees? Yes, uh, thanks for having me. I absolutely think we'll see more of this. And I think we're just beginning, quite frankly, because as more and more companies are hiring with a great resignation, so many people are quitting, um, where do we look but to say, like, what's, what's a known quantity? And that's a former employee who was a good performer. But we've been hearing uh, of late about how, uh, because people have been quitting, uh, it's become a, a worker's market and they can come back and demand pretty much the price they, they want. And many employers are more than happy to pay it. But if a lot of people start going back to jobs, then isn't it going to switch around and, and wages likely to go back down again? Uh, hard to say, honestly. It really depends on the company's policy for this. And even before uh, the pandemic and some of these these trends, you know, one of the things we always cautioned people about was it's it's fine to recruit boomerangs back, but think about how that feels for them to think they have to leave to get a pay increase and then come back, or for the employees who stayed and were loyal. So I think companies would be smart to be cautious about which boomerangs they bring back, which ones they're willing to pay that premium. Uh, but absolutely, it's a, it's it almost like a game of musical chairs at this point. Is it always the crawling back, as I think some people see it, like, oh, they didn't find what they wanted, and now they're on, they're they're coming back again, and they need a job? Or is it, you know, sometimes people leave, and then maybe they learn some new stuff at their other job, no, and then, then you I'm, want them I'm glad back. you brought that up. In fact, the data that we have would show that um, oftentimes the, the people who are the best boomerangs are the ones who left, either maybe they had a personal shock, unexpectedly got pregnant, um, they could have gotten a better offer. They could have just wanted to get experience someplace else and, and broaden their horizons. Um, it's the boomerangs who are intentional about coming back, I think, are the ones that we want to keep an eye on. Um, I think those are the stories we tell ourselves to try to explain what other people have done. But quite frankly, when you talk to people who make the choice to go back to a former employer, um, they're usually doing so intentionally. And I think with with the best of intentions. Is there an analogous situation in recent times? I don't know. This pandemic, of course, has changed everything and turned everything upside down. I think um, this has been a trend that we, we've known about for, you know, I, I did my research in 2014 uh, originally to define boomerangs. At that time, they were still, it's just a rehire, right? That's all it is. It's just a rehire. Um, but I think when you think about um, 
how how we are desperate now for employees, I think companies are having to get creative. And so there were some firms that were already doing this using alumni networks, for example. And then there are other firms going, gosh, I've never thought about this. I used to think of somebody leaving as being disloyal or, you know, um, breaking up with the firm. And, and maybe I should rethink that. Is it also easier now that everybody's got LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and everybody got cell phones? You can keep track of people because, you know, I guess if you were out of the Rolodex in the older days, then you were out of the Rolodex. Sorry. That's right. Yes, yes. And when we initially collected some of our data, you know, prior to 2014, it absolutely were, it was the personal connections. Are you still in touch with your former manager? Was your manager somebody reaching out and keeping that network going? I do think LinkedIn helps, right? We have a lot more visibility. We have a lot more opportunity to connect with different people. We can also watch, you know, what are they doing at that next organization? Are they ripe for being recruited back? So absolutely, I, I do think that helps. I think organizations too are smart in that if they can form uh, LinkedIn groups with their alumni, if they can create some opportunities to stay, they can manage this process to their advantage. But you know, to go back to the loyalty uh, question, how does an employer know that that an employee that already left once and they come back, that given the next opportunity to walk out the door, they won't just do it again? It's a great question and one that we looked at in our data because that was our concern as well. The particular company that I studied, a very large um, uh, consulting firm, didn't have that. In fact, what they found was that once people had gone away for whatever reason, for personal or to look at, at another organization, they almost had more clarity. And so they were coming back with a great deal of intention. Um, it's no guarantee, of course. And I think much of that depends upon uh, how, how they leave the firm, how they're treated when they come back. And, um, and, you know, and people want to fit, right? They want to be in a place where they're a part of the culture. They, they like the people they work with. And so I think as companies can manage that process, they can, you know, for sure, get boomerangs who stay longer the second time. Abby Ship chairs the Management and Leadership Department, the Texas Christian University Neely School of Business. A high school football team in L.A. has already lost its playoff game even before it was supposed to be played. Rules for the L.A. school district require that athletes had to be fully vaccinated by the end of October to keep playing. Well, football teams need at least 18 fully vaccinated players to compete. Crenshaw High School, though, only had 13 players fully vaccinated by the deadline and had to forfeit its playoff game. Well, the coach says he encouraged players and their parents to get vaccinated, but says... Those are individual choices, and he has no control over that. This is an Odyssey original. Find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.